How many people have heard of Moses before? Just a quick recap. Moses. Moses. Anybody? Mo- There's a lot of people. Got to be more people heard about Moses. Okay, cool. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Okay, so Moses is a guy a long time ago, like a long time ago, thousands of years ago, there's this guy named Moses, and God gives him a promise. We're going to catch you guys up. If you weren't here last week, here's going to be a sermon in like five minutes. There's this guy named Moses, and God says, hey, Moses, we are going, I'm going to take you and your people, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to give you this thing called the promised land. And Moses said, yeah, God, there's one humongous problem. It's called Egypt. Me and my people, right now we are slaves, like literal slaves in a land called Egypt, and we are the ones that are building the pyramid. And all we do is make bricks all day, and they, like, work us hours on end, and I'm a slave. How am I going to be in this promised land? He says, I got that. Don't worry. I, got, I know you're in slavery. So he basically tells the Pharaoh through a whole bunch of circumstances, no, I'm serious. I want you to let my people go. And so Moses and the Israelites, they leave Egypt. And there's this big whole book of the Bible called Exodus, and it's all about the exit out of Egypt. We all good so far? If we're good, nod your head. Okay, sweet. We're all tracking. Um, and so Egypt there is gone. E- Egypt's in the rearview mirror, and they cross through the Red Sea, and there's like this big, these big wave, like walls of water, and like the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. That all happens, and they, they travel, and they're traveling around in the wilderness, right? They're just kind of like wandering in circles for 40 years, and God's feeding them, and God's leading them, and there's this whole big story where they're just hanging out in the wilderness on their way to this thing called the Promised Land. And they lead right up to the promised land, and God says, Moses, there it is right there. You see it? That's the promised land. That's where we're at. He goes, but you're not going to make it there. Now, you've done your part. You've got this other guy coming up whose name is Joshua, big character in our series. He says, so go on this mountain and die, and Joshua's going to take over. And that's exactly what happens. Moses says, okay, my time is done. Goodbye. I'm going to go up. I'm going to die. I'm going to spend forever with God. And now there's this new guy named Joshua. If you're with me right now, nod your head. Okay, sweet. We're all good. Okay, all the girls are in and all the guys are like, what are you talking about? Xbox? What's up? Um, So Moses is gone and Joshua is in charge. And the whole time, here's God's promise to the Israelites. I know you're in the wilderness right now. I know you're on the way to the promised land. I know you're in slavery. I know you got a whole bunch of junk going on in your life. But I will be your God and you will be my people. That's like the promise leading up to the promised land. So there's a story of God setting his people free from slavery and into the promised land. And that's how we ended up last week is they are getting ready to go. Joshua's in command and Joshua heard from God and God said all this stuff to Joshua that's really applicable for us. He said, be strong and courageous. I'm with you always. Be strong and very courageous. My name's God. I'm the boss and I'm with you, Joshua. And what we said last week is we can look at a story of people who were caught up in slavery, but God said, I'm with you, I will free you from slavery, and we can look at our lives and say, wait, that's kind of my story. A lot of you have heard this before, but when I was 16, I'd never been to church in my whole life. I showed up to a church my friend invited me to, like some of you maybe got invited by your friends, and I showed up to a church, and I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about this Jesus stuff, but I didn't realize it, but I had chains on me, and I was a slave, to sin, sin in my life. And some guy told a story, like maybe I'm telling right now, and I realized, dude, I'm like, I'm a slave. Like, I, I, I don't have a savior. I haven't been set free. Like, Moses set the people of Israel free from Egypt, and I need to be set free from the sin that I'm in. And so that's the story of where we're at. And that also means that all the promises that God lavished upon Joshua and Moses, that I will be your God and you will be my people, that I'm going to be with you wherever you go, 
Don't have to fear. My name's God. I'm in control. Be strong and courageous and take the land. All those promises still apply to us. That was last week in a nutshell. And what we did is we said, man, let's stake some ground. Let's say, God, if you're with me, if you're with me and you desire for me to take some land in my life, man, I, I'm going to be praying for Paul. That's, I just picked this one up. So whoever wrote Paul, man, I'm praying for Paul because, God, maybe Paul's the land you want me to take. That Dude, that, that's, that's my best friend. And, God, you've set me free from slavery. I cannot read that one. That ain't working. So God knows that. I don't. Mom. I, I saw so many of those. Man, my mom and dad. You're here, maybe you've been set free, but you're like, dude, I want to take the land of my mom and my dad because, God, I want them to know you, and they don't know you right now. And so that's the whole series. God says a bunch of stuff to some people thousands, thousands, thousands of years ago. I will be your God. You will be my people. I'm with you. Don't fear. And we think that's all Bible language, but we don't realize that that's true for us today, right now. And so our desire as students and leaders is for us to take the land, whatever that looks like in our life. Maybe that's conquering that sin that you're caught up in, or it's your best friend that doesn't know Jesus, or it's your family that doesn't know God. Man, take the land. Understand God is with you and in you as a Christian. And so that's the story, and we're going to kind of lead up to more of the Joshua story tonight. Um, But they're right up against this big, huge river called the Jordan River. Say Jordan River. Yeah, see, that was really weak. I knew, like, you guys are, you guys are like, oh, man, what's going on here? Uh, say Jordan River. Thank you. I heard, seriously, I heard Sarah and Colleen. I think that was it. Maybe, maybe it was Cheyenne. I don't know who it was. I, I, okay, Tyler Welch is back there for sure, and always. You got me on point. Okay. Um, they're up against the Jordan River. Okay, this is crazy. You got to imagine the children of Israel are a couple million people at the smallest, maybe more than that. And they're up against the Jordan River. And Joshua's like, yeah, I just heard from God. Remember like an Eric Taylor pep talk, Friday Night Lights. Some of you guys caught that. He's like a really good coach. And he got, gave this pep talk to, to Joshua like God did. And he, go, man, I'm with you. Go into the promised land. And so Joshua's leading his people. And he goes like, whoa, 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 whoa. My feet are wet. Wait a minute. Uh, that is a ginormous river. That, like, is the promised land over there? Like, there's a huge river between me and where I want to go. And listen, I got my babies with me. I got my goats with me. I got my, you know, carriage. And all, my whole house is, like, on my back in the biggest backpack I can find. Like, I, I'm supposed to cross the Jordan River? And I can imagine people are like, dude... Joshua, did you hear right? Like the God line, did it pick up right? Because like for me, if I was there, I'd be like, listen, Joshua, dude, I could probably put Bryce on my back. That's my two-year-old son, and I have a a seven-month-old daughter. And I'd be like, okay, I could maybe fit Avery in my pocket, but like what about my goat and my bull and my cow and my, and Candace and and, and, and like the, the carriage? Well, I didn't, I know you guys are thinking, I, I said all the animals before I said Candace. Only girls, man. Did he just call Candace a cow? No. I did not. I said I got my bulls and my cows and my goats and then Candace. Totally different. Totally different. But I got it all, right? I I, I got all the stuff. Joshua, dude, I can't, I can swim. Avery can't swim. Bryce can't swim. How am I supposed to get over there? And you got to imagine times that by a million people. Dude, there is a problem. A huge problem, and it's called the Jordan River. 
And I think that's the case for some of us tonight. Again, remember, everything is taking Joshua, taking us, and making a sandwich out of it. Dude, this is the same God, the same promises. And maybe we're not trying to go to an actual physical land, but God has given you and I land in this life. And eventually, we're all on this road to get to the promised land, which is spending forever with him. But right now, we're kind of navigating, and we're trying to cross Jordan rivers, and we're trying to defeat Jericho's in our life, which is this big city that they come up to in a couple minutes. But maybe tonight you're like, dude, I got a Jordan River. It's that relationship with my parents. Mom and dad are all over these flags. Dude, I got a Jordan River. It is Emily, or it is, I saw all of the eighth grade on here. Dude, that's a Jordan River. You're like, dude, how's that supposed to happen? Like, that's a lot of people. Or maybe if it's one person, dude, you don't know that person. I'm telling you, when I first got saved, I walked into my house, and I'm thinking, dude, I didn't know any of us take the land, you know, lingo. But I'm like, dude, I'm telling you right now, my mom and dad are not Christians. If those are Christians at that church, dude, my mom and dad aren't them. Maybe some of you are that same thing. Dude, you don't know my mom. You don't know my dad. You don't know my best friend. That's the point. That's why we're talking about this story. Because just like they faced a Jordan River, you and I faced a Jordan River. But I love the promises that Jesus Christ gives us. We talked about them last week. We're going to recap them again. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, here's what he says. This promise is to you guys and me. He says, I will build my church. Jesus says that. You ain't got to do nothing. I want to use you. But I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Literally, nothing can stop me. I'm boss. I own this thing called the universe. And I'm building my church, and all I want is you guys to be involved in it. That's what he says. That's a promise you and I have. He's going to build his church, and he wants to use you. Second promise we talked about last week. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Here's what it says. Check it out on the screen. And Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Verse 18 up there at the top, it says this, just what I've been saying. I am boss. All authority has been given to me, Jesus Christ. The stars, they're mine. This world, it's mine. Your life, it's mine. And I'm just saying, hey, get in on it. Join me in what I'm doing. I'm going to build my church, and I'm always going to be with you. And I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to take some land. And so we said this, just again as as a way of recap, before we jump into this crossing of the Jordan River. We said that we're going to talk, uh, this whole series, we're going to do one phrase. And the phrase is this, and write it down if you don't already have it written down. Maybe you remembered it. The series principle is that you and I are to remember the word and take the land. Remember the word and take the land. And I said last week, that's exactly how we operate. That's already how we roll. If I tell you I'm going to give you something, dude, in return for a service, or you're going to, you know, you're going to come mow my lawn, or you are going to wash my car, and I say I'm going to give you five bucks, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do this, and in return, you're remembering the word, and you're going to come, and you're going to say, hey, can I take the land of your five dollars? That's how we work. 
Like I said, a lot of you guys are new, but I have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old son named Bryce. Um, he's crazy. He's awesome. He's literally, like, insane right now. He's like the little boy who just doesn't stop, and I love it. Uh, real quick, this is totally off subject, but me and him tackle each other all the time. Like I'm learning, he goes, tackle, and he like tackles me. Well, I just found out like every Sunday in VIP, he's doing that move on all the VIPers. Like, tackle, boo, yeah. And then he, he's over here quoting John three sixteen. Poor God. So, like, he knows both. It's like, Bryce, we need to kind of, we need to kind of corral this in here, buddy. We need to figure out how this is going to work. But when I first started, like, when he was big enough to kind of play with him, like, really kind of roughhouse, I started doing this thing, and, and you guys have seen babies do it, where you, like, throw them up in the air, right? And they, and they, and they fall down. They think it's, like, the funnest thing ever. Like, all, if my arms didn't get so tired, I'd be like, dude, we'll do this all day. Like, Bryce will be happy all day. But the first time, it was not that way, man. The first time, I went to, to lift Bryce up, and he was, like, grabbing onto me, like, super scared. And I told him, listen, I don't know if he understood me, because then he was, like, still drooling and stuff. But, like, I told him, I'm going to catch you, Bryce. Let me just let go of you. And then you get a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And now, dude, you, like, chuck that kid up in the air. And he's, like, wanting to do somersaults and go back down. And, like, when you put the tens up, like, he's in the Olympics or something. But, like, dude, he loves it. But to remember the word and take the land... Maybe think of that. Like, what if I told Bryce, hey, Bryce, dude, I got you. Don't worry. I really do talk that way to my son. It's kind of weird. Like, hey, dude, hey, little dude. Uh, and, and I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you up, and I'm going to catch you, okay? Don't worry about it. How jacked of a dad would I be if I was just like, boom. <laughs> boom. Black eye. He's already had a couple black eyes and bumps and stuff. Not from that, but just from running into, running into walls. And, but seriously, from birth, they got that. And you got that. Dude, I'm remembering what you said, Dad, and I can't really comprehend all of it. But you said I go up, and then I go downy, and you catch me, okay? He remembered that. And he said, okay, I'll go. And now I chuck him up in the I chuck that kid. Whoa! And he comes down, he laughs, he says more, he says again, he wants again. He remembers the word and he takes the land. And man, that's the same way we got to operate to our Heavenly Father. You and I have got to say, God, you have not just given these Bible promises. Some of you guys have been so wrapped up in the Bible that you miss this. Like, yeah, man, I go to Bible, you know, I go to Christian school. Or I go, man, my parents the whole life have kind of beat me in the head with this thing. Get that. God has given you promises. Man, if some students wrapped their heads around that and these flags weren't just something you did because everyone else was doing it, but you really are, you're like, dude, no, you don't understand. I'm praying for my family. Dude, God has promised me he's with me. I don't got to fear he's boss. I don't got to have any kind of emotion or anxiety when I go and approach my family. And I'm taking that land from my mom and my dad and my best friend and my team and my school and my lunch table. I'm taking it. Because, God, you said I could have it, and you said you want me to join you as you build your church. That's not like big people stuff. Sixth through twelfth graders can really wrap their heads around that, put it in your heart, and say, God, let's go. So now we've recapped. Sweet. I won't keep you long, I promise. But right at the edge of the Jordan River, we're going to read a few verses here. And I got three things that I think we can take from the story. Here's the first. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. If you don't have your Bible, shame on you. But if you, do have your, if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Um, here's what it says in Joshua chapter 3. 
And when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan from the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. There was these guys named the priests, and they had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which is a really big deal in the Old Testament, and it's got, like, God's presence on it, and it's got the Ten Commandments in it, and it's, like, this big deal, and they're carrying it. It's, like, a big deal. They lead the way all the time. That's all it's talking about there. The priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant first. They always went first. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Like, let's visualize this. Here they are, man. They're like, like the water's lapping up against their feet. They're like, dude, this is real. Like, we're we're going. Like, there's a big body of water and we're just going to walk through it. Here we go, God. Verse 16. Oh, no, it says now the... Jordan, the Jordan overflows all its banks through the time of the harvest. That's, it's basically telling you right there, listen, this wasn't like a downtime. This wasn't where the water was barely there. This is like during the harvest, man. There's water going all over the banks. This is like a flowing, crazy river. And the water's coming down from above. I love this, verse 16. When they walk, as soon as they step foot in the river, the water's coming down from above, stood and rose up. In a heat very far away. So maybe you look up the river and you see all the water coming and all of a sudden it's like there's an invisible hand there. And all the water's just rising up and stopping. Weird. Crazy. And then Adam, the city that, that, sat, that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the sea of Arabath, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So you look up and you see this crazy wall of water. And you look down and the river that had already passed is like drying up and, and going away. Like, dude, now all of a sudden there's like a pathway. Like, I stepped foot in it, I trusted God, and now there's like this pathway for me to walk. And so really tonight, I want to look at three things as you and I take the land. As you wrap your heart around this take the land thing, there's three things that we got to do as we approach this thing. Here's the first one. We got to expect miracles. That's like a church word right there. Like, dude, that, like Miracle on 34th Street. Miracles happen. Like, there was a show, I think, about angels that they did miracles, like on TV. Like, miracles, Scott, really, in 2012? Yep. The people are in the Jordan River. The priests are starting to walk, and their feet are getting wet, and maybe all the way up to their knees even. And they're like, dude, we're going. And all of a sudden, God says, I told you to go. All you got to do is take the first step. I'm stopping that water. I'm drying up that water. Now you got an open way for you to walk in the middle of this huge flowing river. I think sometimes my expectations are too small. And maybe yours are too. Like we don't really think we could ever find ourselves in a story like this. Where God like shows up. Because really there was no other option. If God doesn't show up, they sink. They, like, all die. All the children of Israel, that's, like, the saddest story ever. Like, yeah, here we go. And they all just slowly walk to their demise. Like, oh, my gosh. But God shows up, just like he said he would. But I think sometimes for my own life, and maybe you think this, you expect too little. We need to start expecting more of God. Here's, here's this for just something to think about. Do you know that God wants you to take land more than you do? God wants your mom and your dad and your best friend and your team and your sports, and your sports team and your, and your lunch table. He wants them to experience the gospel more than you do. That's big to think about. As, as burdened as you are for daddy, as burdened as you are for your mom, man, I want them to know what I know. God says, I know, and I want that more than you do. And sometimes I think we walk here in a refuge, and this is a time every week that we have where we kind of worship God and we look at his word and 
even this right here, we need to expect miracles from this place. But here's what some of us do. They're like, oh, yeah, refuge. There's the countdown video. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Facebook. Oh, check in at Facebook. Cool. I'm going to hang out in here for a little bit. Hey, ooh, I'm going to add that girl. She looks cute. I'm going to put that in there. And, uh, oh, man, I'm going to check March Madness to see who made it to the Final Four. I'm in that. Uh, oh, they're singing that worship song. I used to get, man, I got really into that song at camp, but that doesn't matter because that was like, you know, like a year ago. So I'm kind of in this thing. And we come to Refuge every week, and we're just like, dude, I don't really care about this. Or we walk into our schools, and we're like, yeah, dude, AJ, I'm putting AJ in there. I'm, I'm planting that flag, man. And then tomorrow you see AJ, and you're like, I think I, I think I thought something about you last night or like I did did we talk on the phone last night and it's like no man we need to walk around with our feet in the Jordan River saying God I'm gonna walk man and if you don't show up it's all gonna be a joke but I really believe you're gonna show up because you've given me promises I'm gonna start expecting miracles even as a 14 year old eighth grader man I'm gonna start expecting miracles from God because he told me he would give me crazy God things in my life if I just trust him not everything, not everything you ask of God is he going to say, oh yeah, you know, he's not a genie. But man, some of these big things that you're crying out for, man, just trust God. Expect miracles. One way that I, I want to challenge you guys, and we talked about this, but one way I want to challenge you guys that we're going to really start to own this thing and really start expecting miracles is we're going to start something real soon called Campus Missionaries. You going to put that on the screen. Campus missionaries. Here's what that means. You literally don't got to get on a plane and go to Thailand or go to South Africa or go. No, you are a missionary, a light to the world at Basic High School, at Coronado, at Del Webb, at Lake Mead, wherever you go to school. Even if you're homeschooled, it's like, dude, I play sports. I'm on the dance team at my school, even though I'm homeschooled. Wherever it is where you're a light in the midst of a bunch of darkness, we say, dude, be a missionary. You don't got to wait to go on a trip and raise support and do the whole thing to be a missionary. Be a missionary right now. And right there it says 11,000. If you haven't been around Refuge, here's what that means. We kind of did some math and we took the top six schools that we pull from. It's Del Webb, Silvestri, Schofield, Junior Highs, and then Silverado, Liberty, and Coronado High Schools. And we looked at the people that go there and the amount and like statistically how many people per that amount of people would be Christians. And the people that go to those schools that don't know Jesus is about 11,000 people. And if you go to basic or you go somewhere else or you go to LVA or you, I don't know where you go, but add to that number. That's just six schools. But that's kind of the number we're wrapping our head around to say, man, there's 11,000 students that look just like you around our campuses that are walking in total darkness. And we're saying, dude, shine some light in their life and be a campus missionary. Does that mean you got to carry your Bible around and hit them in the head with it? No, it just means you intentionally start loving them and you expect God to do a miracle. You say, I'm going to sit at a different table because I know I have some influence with these people. And these people need to know God like I know God. And you expect a miracle. So here's what I want you to do. And we're going to kind of have a couple ways to, uh, to respond tonight. But if that's you... If you're like, dude, I want to be a campus missionary, you guys all have a connect card. You don't have to do it right now. But sometime tonight, if you're like, dude, I want to be a campus missionary, that's going to mean we're going to train you. Man, we're going to have some meetings. You guys are going to be like a team of people that are sent out every single week and every day at your schools. So it's not like something you're just going to get like a Facebook invite. Like we're going to really take it seriously. So if you want that, it doesn't have to be everybody, but maybe you know that's me. I want that. 
Sometime tonight, I want you to take your Connect card. I want you to fill out your info. And up at the top, I want you to write 11,000. And when we do offering here in a little bit, you're going to throw it in the offering bucket. And here's what that tells me. Okay. That person is all about being a campus missionary, and I'm going to put that person on a list, and we're going to call them, we're going to get them together, and we're going to really take this seriously and expect God to do miracles. The second thing is we take land tonight. Say number two. The second thing to remember as we take land is to take the next step. Take the next step. Check out the second half of verse 16 and verse 17. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Man, they started walking. That river dried up, and they took the next step. They said, dude, we're going before this river breaks or whatever's holding that thing up stops holding it up. We're out of here. And they passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So these dudes come, they're standing in the middle of a river, and they see it there, and they see it there, like, dude, this is scary. You know, two million people, get over there right now. We're freaking out. But somebody took a next step. And, man, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of next steps in this room tonight, a whole bunch. I don't know what it is for you. I've been wrestling what it is for me. Maybe some of our leaders who are further down the road than you, man, they're wrestling with what their next step is. But everybody has a next step. But I'm going to give you some examples. In your walk with Jesus, man, what are your next steps? Maybe for you, you're like, dude, this Jesus thing, I don't have anything to do with it. My next step, and I would say your next step, is to start a relationship with Jesus. Man, all the stuff we're talking about, God wants a relationship with you. And some of you guys haven't taken that step toward God. You've never, you know, accepted that free gift he gives you. Maybe that's your next step tonight. If, you're, if that's you, maybe that you're thinking, yeah, that's me. I need, to, I need to take the next step of forgiveness and the next step of getting this free gift that Jesus Christ gives me, of salvation. Maybe for you it's baptism. You're like, dude, I've been saved, but I didn't want to do the whole baptism thing. That gets a little weird. Here, all baptism is is we say it's a symbol to the rest of the world that says, man, before Jesus you were dead. And you go under the water and you get, you get brought up and you say, man, raised to live a life in Christ. And you just put a wedding ring on that tells, tells everybody, hey, I'm married. Man, I've been, I've been saved and rescued. And now I'm in the family that the Bible calls the bride of Christ, dude. I am a Christian. It's just outward. Maybe that's your next step. You're like, dude, I've never done that before. Maybe for you it's about getting serious about your faith. You became a Christian. You got baptized because they told you you had to. Kind of went through the motions. But you come to refuge every week and it's nothing to you. Man, this stuff means nothing to you. Everything we're saying tonight, all the worship songs, again, you're back on your phone. You're just like, dude, when am I going to take my pillow? Talk about taking the land. I'm going to take my pillow tonight. And it's like whatever for you. Maybe that's your next step, man. Own this thing. God has promises for you. Maybe that's you signing up for exposure. Dude, I don't want to, man, I want to sleep my spring break. Maybe it's like, man, your next step is to go serve the cities of Las Vegas and Boulder City and give selflessly your time for two days out of five days. You got nothing to do. For two days, go out there, man, and serve. It's 30 bucks. If you don't have the money, talk to me. Maybe your next step is to own your faith. Start serving people. Maybe your next step is to ask your leader, hey, would you want to meet? 
once every couple weeks and talk about Jesus? And would you help me grow in my faith? Would you help me go deeper in this thing of following after Christ? Maybe your next step is forgiving somebody who's, who did you wrong. Maybe you did something you know doesn't honor God and you never said, God, I repent, man. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm turning from that sin and I'm running towards you. Maybe it's just repenting, forgiving. I don't know what it is for you. You got a blank there that says your next step. Fill that in whenever you think about it. Maybe you don't want to fill it in now because people will see. That's cool. But just like the people with Joshua did, we have to do. Man, we have to take the next step. We have to trust God in what he's saying to us. Take him up on his promises and take the land and trust him and take the next step. So the story goes on and Joshua in the first part of verse 4, I don't know if this is going to buzz. The first, first part of verse 4, Joshua says, hey, in the middle of the river, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab the big rocks in the middle of the river and I want you to stack them up like this. Not like that. Oh, God. Ah! Maybe they have this. Can you imagine, like, you're freaking out because there's a river right there, and you're like, dude, I can't get the baskets. I can't get the rocks. I can't do it. I should have tested that. Here's what I want you to do. That's going to fall. Here's what I want you to do, people. I want you to grab a bunch of rocks, and I want you to stack them on top of each other. Like, dude, in the middle of the river? Yeah, in the middle of the river. I want you to grab some rocks, and I want you to carry them over here, and I want you to put them on the side, and I want you to build this memorial. And then it leads that to verse 21. And they got this memorial of all these huge rocks, and it says this in chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Okay, so we got this huge monument. It was a lot bigger than that because it had to stand through thousands of years. Man, it's a lot bigger than that. But he says, when your, peop- when your children ask your- the fathers, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. This is what God did right here in the Jordan River. The waves stopped there, and the waves stopped there, and we were right in the middle of this thing. And these rocks are right from the middle of the Jordan River when God stopped it so we could cross over to the promised land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over it, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. Hey, this already happened. It's happening again. Verse 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. As we take the land, not only, not only do we need to expect miracles of God, we need to take the next step, and then we need to build a memorial to tell a generation. That's what he said, hey, tell the next generation what is happening here. And there's a generation of people that you live around right now. And man, me and you are to tell those people what, what verse 24 says. I love that. So that all the peoples of the earth, the people that see this memorial, so they'll know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and they may fear God forever. They may come into a relationship with this God of yours that because they see this memorial built, man, they'll see that and they'll point them straight to God. 
it'll point them straight to Jesus. And every single day, you and I have an opportunity to build a memorial. Every day. Every day when we go to school, every day when we sit down at the lunch table, every day when we go, we, you know, we put the helmet on and we strap up for football, every day when we go play softball or baseball or whatever else you got going on, you're on your dance team or you go to the study hall or wherever you find yourself during your day, God is saying this is an opportunity right now, March 25th at 7.10, 7.13, this is an opportunity for you to build a memorial. Why? So that people will look at your life and say, man, The hand of the Lord is mighty. Something's crazy with that person's life. There's something different about them. And you've heard us say that at Refuge before, and that's straight from the Bible. That's straight from the Old Testament. God's all about people seeing something and saying, hey, what is that? Hey, we put that up so you can see that God is mighty and that you would have a relationship with him. So what's one way to look past yourself and build a memorial? What's one way that we have for you? We talked about it last time we had refuge at the loft, and we're calling it do something. We have a whole bunch of areas that you can serve at refuge. Or outside of refuge, you can serve at big church. And we have a card that we put together that says, man, if you want to be selfless and you want to build a memorial with your life, we'll give you one way. There's a whole bunch of ways, at your school table, on your sports team, wherever you serve in your life. But right here, as far as church goes, there's a way you can build a memorial, and we're calling it Do Something. And maybe that's you join the big church team, and we have you on a schedule where once or twice a month you hang out right there in that courtyard, and you see a student that you've never seen at Refuge, you walk up to him and say, hey, man, my name's Caleb. I, I'm, in, I'm in 11th grade. I go to Lake Mead, and I want to invite you to Refuge. What's Refuge? Hey, man, Sunday night. I'd love for you to check it out. Or maybe you serve here at Refuge. Or maybe you start playing in the band, or you start, we got a whole bunch of stuff. So if that's you tonight, you're like, okay, that's one way Scott said we could get we could build a memorial, and we could, we could tell a generation, I'm going to go sign up. So at the connect table, we just have these cards that say do something. And you fill out your info, and there's a whole bunch of options, and you say, that's me right there. That's one way. That's not the way. But in this message, man, I wanted to give you some, some handlebars, some way to grab a hold of this. So maybe for you it's being a campus missionary, that you're going to expect miracles on your campus Maybe for you, you're going to take the next step and go serve during exposure, and you're going to sign up tonight. Or maybe you're going to sign up to do something in this church, do something, and and build a memorial to tell a generation. The promises of God to Joshua and his people as they're crossing over the Jordan River, and God does a crazy work, are good and valid and true for you and I today. And when we start taking God up on his promises, we start taking land and saying, God, I'm staking this ground for Paul. I'm straight staking this ground for, for Peter and for Tarek and for Kendall and for Matt and all these other people. And for the 11,000 people that are in these schools around us, man, I'm taking some land. I'm going to expect miracles. I'm going to take the next step that you're telling me to take, God. And I'm going to tell the generation around me who you are. So why don't you guys bow your heads for me tonight. We're going to move on. I want to give you an opportunity to think about what we talked about. I know in a room this size, with this many students, man, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in a bunch of heads around this room. You know what God's saying to you. I don't know what God's saying to you. 
But we want to give you an opportunity to respond tonight. So just as we sit here quietly and the band begins to play, man, just have a conversation with God. Just think about something for a minute. How does tonight land on you? What was kind of nudging on your heart and prodding on your heart as I'm talking? I think if you listen, if you were engaged, and if you, if you were like, man, I want to listen to what this guy has to say, God was saying something. You may think it's small. Don't think it's small. What's your next step today? Man, some of you I know right now, not everyone in this room is a Christian. Some of you are like, my next step, I'm not, no, I'm not sure if I'm ready to take it, but my next step is to become a Christ follower, man. All the stuff they're talking about, God showing up in their life, building memorials, telling a generation, man, I got none of that. I walk around my school and I got a whole bunch of junk and there's nowhere to lay it. There's nowhere to put it. I'm carrying it all myself. Listen, you were never intended to carry a bunch of weight you're carrying. None of us were. You would think it's crazy if I loaded up a huge backpack full of bricks and I put it on Bryce's shoulders and I said, hey, go, son, go run a marathon. That's crazy. You're cruel. In the same way Bryce was never intended to carry a backpack full of bricks, all this weight on his shoulders, you were never intended as a teenager or even as an adult to carry a bunch of weight of sin and pain and heartache. That was not your plan. And so God did something about it. Like a loving father, he sent his son so that you and I wouldn't have to bear it anymore. And he bore it on himself. And he said, this is good forever for everyone. And tonight that's available for me and it's available for you. Don't think it's not. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the things that you think are too bad for God. God's seen a lot of stuff. In fact, he's seen everything. So maybe your next step is, dude, I got to give my life to Christ. If he can really carry this weight, I'll let him carry it. And he will gladly take it off your shoulders. He'll throw you on his shoulder and say, I'm carrying you.